I'm Marcy Kolodny, and I am the CEO of Dyslexia Tutoring Program, and I'm so glad that you all have joined us in this panel discussion um, this morning. What we thought we would do, we have brought um, a parent, we have brought the head of a school, and we have brought an advocate for learning challenges, as I like to call them. Um, so in the essence of saving time, I'm going to just do a couple short bios of our guests, and I'm going to start by the man that's sitting to my immediate left. I know a little bit, I know him very well. He is a parent of one of our students. His name is Ulysses Archie, Jr. He is a parent, not only a parent, he has two youngsters in our program. Uh, he is a child advocate. He has worked in the field of special needs for almost 20 years. Two of his four sons have been diagnosed as dyslexic. He offers a unique perspective of both parenting children with learning disabilities and having learning challenges himself. Uh, I just want to say that he's been a wonderful advocate for Dyslexia Tutoring Program, and his older son is going uh, leaving on Friday for the Kildonan School for their summer camp program, and he is in our program, so we're very happy to have you listening. You'll hear from him in a minute. Um, Ben Schifrin. I could say a whole lot about Ben Schifrin because he has done a tremendous amount. I know him best, um, besides being my friend, as the head of the Gemesee School. Since Ben's arrival from California and he was at Westmark, Ben has taken over the Gemesee School and put together Gemesee and Valley School to become the high school. It is really the first high school for dyslexic children in, um, our, in Maryland, I think which we are really happy about, and they have taken over the Ruxton School, and so now they have a beautiful campus, Ben. He is also on the International Board of IDA, International Dyslexia Association, serves as their, on their executive committee, and I believe you're treasurer, and will be going up to vice president at the next, at the next meeting. Ben has a tremendous amount of experiences. He's been most helpful to in my professional job with Dyslexia Tutoring Program because we send children to the camp at Gemesee. And Ben has been very instrumental in helping us and taking our children to give them such a wonderful opportunity. So Ben, we are so thankful that you are here. He has a master's in education from Temple University in Philadelphia and a BS in elementary education, summa cum laude, and a President Scholar Area of Specialization Reading Disabilities. He attended Gratz College in Philadelphia, a teaching certificate, um, and Hebrew University in Jerusalem, Israel, one year as an exchange program. So he also, on the side, he doesn't have a lot of time, but he raises a little money for, for Gemesee School. Uh, and I'm happy to have you here, Ben. Calman Buzzy Hedelman, um, I've known for a long time, or he's known me or my family, my husband's family, for a long time. He's been a member of the Baltimore City uh, School Board, Deputy Mayor for Education and other social programs. He's the executive director of a large dropout prevention project, policy consultant, advocate for students with disabilities, and education policy writer. He has published many articles, and he has also had oh, his book just released. Um, it's, it's called in, It's the Classroom Stupid, A Plan to Save America's School Children, was published this year. Besides all that he does, Buzzy does a lot of work for dyslexia tutoring programs. He has helped us as an advocate 
with so many of our youngsters and we've had such positive results and we are so appreciative and thankful that somebody in our community like a Buzzy, I wish there were more people like you Buzzy, to really help people who sometimes do not understand what an IEP is and they sign things without really realizing what it is. So I'm happy to have all three of you join us and we're going to start the session by letting a parent speak to you. Ulysses? Um, first, I'd like to say thank you, Marcy, for giving me this opportunity and to be here today uh, and to speak to you all about um, my disabilities and my children's disability. My disability hasn't really been uh, ironed out yet, but I took my son, I was able to take my son to dyslexia tutoring. I was in an IEP meeting, and they said, you think your son might be dyslexic. I'm like, what is that? And you, you don't know um, what... Uh, what it is until you start to investigate it. Um, I, I then was directed to a dyslexia tutoring program where I met Marcy and her staff. Um, actually, I met Miss um, Lakeisha. Why, why does my staff just raise their yeah. hand? So, because I'm sure they'll be. Thank you. <laughs> I'll just thank you. We refer to. Uh, so I met Lakeisha, and she's like, "Oh, sure, you can come in, and uh, we'll get you on the testing track, and and we'll find out if if your son is." And uh, and sure enough, he was, and they. They acted immediately in getting him into programming. I mean, within a few weeks, he was going to uh, the Genesee School the first, for the first camp. And my son, um, now he's 14 years old. Um, he has uh, been in self-contained classrooms for four years. He had been in self-contained classrooms. If you guys don't know what self-contained classrooms are, they are in that classroom all day long with the same teacher, just changing subjects. Um, and they go out for gym and recess and things like that. So he was confined to that for four years. Um, I had met the dyslexia tutoring program, and they started, went to the gym and see, uh, school, and he was like, um, camp, and he was like, oh, man, there's a lot of interesting people there, and they're all like me. And I was like, that's cool. <laughs> that's really cool. And um, so, um, uh, but I could see his confidence increase. I could see his, um, his, his thought pattern for um, perhaps going to school or college. Excuse me, that's me, and I'm sorry that I have that on here. Uh, um, He's not, dis are you dyslexic? Yes, I am. I think I am. I haven't been tested yet, but I'll, I'll find out soon. Um, and so, uh, and so he went to that program. Then the next year he went to the Odyssey um, the Odyssey School. I then, um, after the Odyssey School, he went to Gal, which was last year. Going to the Gal School for him was like coming out of a shell. I mean, unbelievable uh, transformation. Uh, and like I said, he had been in self-contained classrooms for four years. Um, last year, he went to a STEM school. Um, people told me he might not get into the STEM school, and I was like, ah, I'm going to try. I got him in there, and he was in a regular classroom setting with drop-in um, for, um, for uh, uh, special education, and he did fantastic. When he came back from the Jimacy school, he had some skills um, that I didn't even dream you could obtain in such a short amount of time, um, and so he did very well. And next year, he'll be entering City College, which I understand it to be one of the better schools in the city. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about Baltimore City, but uh, um, people are pretty excited. Yeah, not as good as <laughs> uh, 
people have been telling me that there's a rivalry there. Okay, so so anyway, um, so so I'm very 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 pleased and honored and grateful because um, I could not have afforded my kid the opportunity to be tested. I could not afford my kid the opportunity to have gone to the camps that are very expensive. Uh, we get to see how much they cost, and I I get sticker shock, and I'm like, wow. Um, and it's amazing. He's going to uh, a camp uh, in... Armenia, um, New York. Armenia, New York. Um, Kildonia. Yeah. That's escaping me. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and um, he's very excited. He'll be leaving Friday. And I'm just excited at the opportunity. And um, they do do this all for free. It's not a joke. It's not a gimmick. It's no, you know, uh, small stuff, uh, small print. It's, it's real. And it has made a difference in my life. Um, I haven't talked a lot about myself, but I just wanted to make sure that you all understand that these programs that are in place are very very important and vital to the survival of families because this has changed my family's life. I'm telling you. I am telling you. So thank you so very much. And if you have any questions, we'll be here. Let me just say that what we're going to do is we're going to save our questions to a afterwards. We thought we would let every all our panelists speak for about five minutes each. Yeah, we do have a question and some when you do get to that. Great. So that we're going to let everybody finish. Um, Okay. I told him I have a loud voice <laughs> that they'll be able to hear me. But thank you. Ulysses really is a wonderful example of what one agency can do. And that's why I'm out beating the paths and ra trying to raise a lot of money to help children and adults like Ulysses' son and family. But we thank you. Thank you. And now I think a lot of people really want to know about dyslexia. And for that, I'm going to turn it over to Ben Schifrin. Okay, I'm, I'm going second. I thought I was going third. Oh, wait, third. you are going third. But that's fine. I'm we sorry. Can go, no, we oh, wait, can we sat in the wrong – wait, it's my fault we sat in the wrong places. But I'm you sorry. Know what, Marcy, I think it will piggyback very well, nicely because right. we only have five buzzing. minutes right. and I want to make sure you get to answer all the right. questions. First off, I'm very honored to be on the panel today. But I want to start and just say that I myself am a dyslexic adult. And the key to success, I'm going to say right now, is parent intervention. What you watched here, besides the agencies that are out there, besides the programs that are out there, it is critical that we get our parents to take an active role in the education of our students. Without the home and school working together, the student doesn't progress. So that is step number one that I think is critical to success. But what is this word dyslexia that we throw around that's very complex? And really, I want to define it the way we view it at Gemesee. Dyslexia is when a child, for example, understands the world. They really comprehend. That's not an issue. Growing up, okay, I could give you all the warning signs, but when you told them they get the big picture, if you said to them, it's a, like today, it's 100 degrees outside, you know, everyone's swimming, what season is it? They would come up very logically with, it's summer. They don't have a problem comprehending. Where they have their problem isn't just mixing up. We all think that mixing letters. It's really in processing language or basic language processing. What does that mean? One is they can't decode a word on a page. They can memorize a word, but they can't break the word apart. They can't take what's in their mind and their thoughts and put it out on paper. So it comes out in written expression. We call that dysgraphia, but it's really all under the same umbrella. 
So basically we're talking about a child that has their comprehension intact or above intact, usually highly verbal children, but who struggle with the mechanics of language. They can't put the language together. This is the child that sometimes we don't pick up till third grade. I'll tell you a true story. The way I made it through first, second, and third grade was remember those Dick and Jane books? I'll, 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 I'll age myself here. My mother used to sit with me the night before and I'd memorize the Dick and Jane story and I still have the book in my office. I would go into class the next day and figure out the where the teacher was going and know exactly what line I needed to read. And if the teacher went out of order, I was at the nurse with a stomach ache. Very simple. That's, that's, that was the method by making it through school. But the real critical element is sometimes what's really critical in, the field, in our field now. And where we are in our field now in research is fascinating. 30 years ago, anyone who had what I'm describing got the brand label dyslexia. If you look at all the schools, they say dyslexia now and other related language issues. What we realize, what our assessment tools show us, have so refined that we know where in the language process the child is breaking down and what, now what we're studying is what interventions work best with what profiles. Because years ago it was OG, 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 that's all you give a student. What we've now learned is one size does not fit all. At Genesee was a traditional OG school. We use programs such as Linda Boone Bell, Project Read. We really don't believe in one program. We believe in looking at the assessment of the child and really then matching up programs that science has proven prove results for these types of profiles. And I can spend more time talking, and I'd love to answer your questions, but I really, for so long, when I see on TV, dyslexia is mixing up letters. You know, mm -hmm. that's one slight piece of, you know, it's much deeper than that. It deals with the whole ability to deal with language development. So that's my little piece right now, and Marcy, I felt it. I just um, wanted to say something before you said something. Is you that may, okay? of course. Okay. All right. I, um, um, I know you're about to introduce Mr. Hedelman, um, but I also wanted to say something uh, before you introduce him. Mr. Hedelman has walked with me, um, with my children, um, to help me understand the process and what is going on um, in the IEP meetings and, and stuff. And I wanted to publicly thank him for his work that he has done with my family and with all the children. I don't know how you keep up with it all, but um, I just wanted to publicly thank you. And go ahead. Uh, well, I, I think that that was very appropriate and very nice. And Ben, I thank you. And I know people have got questions and we will let you answer them. But now I'm going to let Buzzy talk on advocacy or what he does, a little piece of it. Well, first, um, thank you to Dyslexia too. Program. I think it's, it's absolutely great, and it not only helps individual kids, but Marcy gets it, and her great team here gets that just tutoring isn't enough, and you can't get to all the kids, and we've got to change the system. And that's what I am trying to represent individual children, and at the same time learn from them and from that uh, bruising experience. <laughs> how to reform the system, and I hope we'll get a chance to talk about that. The other thing preliminary is I thank um, you, Mr. Archie, for the kind words. Um, his sons, uh, Christian and Nathaniel, are very, very lucky to have him, as, as Ben said. Uh, parental involvement counts for a lot. 
But as you look at the great mass of kids out there, the half the kids in the city school system who can't read, you know, there's a strong correlation between dropping out and inability to read. There aren't enough Ulysses Archies to go around. And so um, the system has got to be vastly improved. Uh, I don't know where you all, I hope we'll find out in the, uh, the chat part of this, where you all come from and what, whether you bring whether your perspective is that of, of a provider or a parent or whether you're connected with, with IEPs and, and that sort of thing. But just very briefly, the question is, well, and, and incidentally, I mean, dyslexia, I defer to Ben and others, but um, I wrote a report in, two, in um, 2003 that was published called The Invisible Dyslexics, how public school systems in Baltimore and elsewhere discriminate against poor children in the diagnosis and treatment of early reading difficulties. Um, my take on it is that the way I use dyslexia, and there are many definitions in the literature and so forth, I basically define it as any child who is struggling to learn to read. And that's the perspective and um, most kids in the city school systems who have IEPs, the roots of their problems lie in the fact that they are struggling readers. And again, I hope we, I mean, so the question is, well, why? Why? Unlike the, the stereotype um, where you, you think of uh, children or, or, or people with dex dyslexia as very bright people, and there's always a list of all the great people who had dyslexia. Dyslexia can occur, the processing problems can occur in children who have low average IQ and come from poor families. The greatest, there are lots of reasons, and I hope we get to some of them, but to me, the greatest reason for the failure of most students to achieve their potential and to become good readers is that the system doesn't understand the problems that these children have. These children are discriminated against because even most teachers, may the Lord bless them, for being dedicated, they don't know what they don't know. And they think that when a child <coughs> falls behind in reading, it's because the child's poor, it's because the child may have some ADHD, it's because the parent isn't on the ball. They look for all the reasons except the fact that the instruction just ain't good enough to meet that child's needs. And so we had an uphill climb to change what people understand. We have to get many, many more trained teachers. We have to have all kinds of interventions, usually under the framework of called response to intervention, that get at these kids and deal with their problems before they get in special ed and have IEPs. More than half the children with IEPs would not need IEPs if their reading problems were addressed in general education yeah, here. as they should be. So we got lots of uh, mountains to climb. Uh, I hope I get a chance to tell you a little bit. I'm very, very encouraged by Dr. Alonzo's approach to this problem in Baltimore City, which I think is unprecedented around the country. And so um, 
I'm, I'm very hopeful that with the Alonzos of the world, the Ulysses Archies and the Ben Schiffrins and the Dyslexia Tutoring Project, uh, we're going to see progress well, in the years ahead. One good news, but, but Buzzy, I want to share and share with the group. Gemacy is current, currently trained 180 Baltimore City teachers over the last month, okay, who are in K and pre-K, begin reading readiness skills and how to begin to teach children to read. And we're going to be training another 180 over the summer. So that will be close to 360 Baltimore teachers that we will have had an impact. Because I want to piggyback on what Buzzy said. It's about providing and giving our teachers the tools they need to teach our children. Okay, Many of them don't know how. Let me just um, piggyback also on something uh, because Ben alluded and he said that there are many different ways that you can look at the problem and it's not only teaching OG, there is Linda Mood Bell and there's phonographics, whatever. We at Dyslexia Tutoring Program, all of our tutors are volunteers whom we train in a 20-hour course in OG. And the reason is we're not giving them that they can, because tutoring is so expensive. I think, Ben, it's up to $70, $75 an hour in some cases. What we do is we train these volunteers and give them the tools to be able to help a youngster or an adult for 60 minutes, for, for an hour a week. And that's what we are able to do. So we all are working together. And I think that's the one good thing is that we all partner together here. Um, we, each have, we, ha we each have a different expertise. But what we want is to work together so that our community is a city and that gets a chance and that, and that gets to read. We also are training teachers in the Baltimore City School and Baltimore County Schools and AmeriCorps we're going to be teaching. We go into the schools um, because there are just not enough tutors, unfortunately, to go around. So if any of you would like to be a tutor one day, please contact us. But with that, I think let's open it up for some questions. Yes. Oh, uh, individual education plan. Could you, I'm sorry, I'm doing this for the podcast. Can you explain your acronyms? IEP means individual education plan. What other? OG. Orton Gillingham. OG is Orton Gillingham. Actually, Orton Gillingham was developed back in the early 30s and 40s when children couldn't learn to read. It was Dr. Samuel Orton that actually, you know, really was looked at these students who were bright but yet couldn't read and, he, and it really isn't a program it's a methodology of how to teach and I think people confuse it as a program it really is there are ten tenets of Wharton-Gillingham that's just good educational instruction it's based on prior knowledge it's sequential it's multi-sensory that it's not provided in just one, one way that one skill is built upon another I mean it's just what we would call good education now programs you are, have now you know are all OG-based, but like, for example, you may hear about Wilson language. Well, that really is an OG pro, OG that follows the tenets of Orton-Gillingham. So Orton-Gillingham was the grandfather of all of these programs or the initial research that went on with dyslexia, with dyslexia back in the 20, early 20s. And I think that um, many of the teachers that are being trained are putting into their own, that we train anyway, are using what they're taught and putting it into their own classroom teaching, which I think is great. So, any other questions there? Anybody else with questions? Yes. I just have a comment. I have a son with an IEP, and, and you're right. It, it's the teachers, they don't have tools, you know, from here to, from like 
third grade to high school, I had to meet with teachers every year and to mm-hmm. let them know something about my son and what to do with my son and how to teach my son. Because he was running, right? and it was, a, it was just a, it was hard for me as a parent, but I had to, you know, continue to advocate for him and be there for him, and he did graduate from high school Good. because I was determined that uh, he was going to graduate. But it, it's been a hard process with him. He's had an IEP since first grade. Wow. Wow. And, well, and I referred him myself. Well, and I work for Head Start. So it's, it's been a hard process, and you're right. They don't have the tools. They can't handle the children. They don't know how to teach them, and they do need to get into learning different um, teaching styles for, for children with IEPs. Yeah. I think that's one reason that we're trying to help so many kids is to keep kids out of jail, out of drugs, and out of gangs. Mm-hmm. Because when, you, when kids can't do they look to something that they can do. And so that's why there's so many programs now that we're all trying to help with. Archie, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, um, in, in school, I had a lot of problems. <laughs> I think when I graduated, I was very low functional reading. I mean, very, very low. Um, um, and I got myself into a lot of different programs because my mom was preoccupied with providing for the pam- family as a single, single mom. And um, kudos to you um, uh, for getting your son through high school. Uh, there's a, I, I guess from my standpoint, um, I didn't know what was wrong with me. I had no idea. I just didn't know. And so uh, it's, it's good that you were able to get a handle on it and meet with the teachers and, and get that going because that's where, that's where the rubber meets the road, that's is getting in there. But I think as they get older, like in high school, it becomes a big challenge. Yeah, yeah, That's why and the earlier you can remediate, start to identify a youngster, yeah. the earlier you can start, Ben. Is that correct? The earlier? Sure, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he was retained. So that, that was a challenge for him. I'm a year behind the other kids. And, you know, he, no, he didn't want to take his meds, hormones, right. all kinds. Right. Stuff just yeah. going on uh, with them. So, but, yeah. Do you have a question over yes. here? I'm sorry. Can uh, this lady? Why don't I just get up and go around there? I think I'll get up and. Hi, I've worked as a consultant with the homeschool population, so this is really interesting for me because um, I want to find out how can a homeschool student become a part of Baltimore Reads. I can't answer Baltimore Reads, but what I can share mm-hmm. that's out there is all of you may know about Calvert's homeschool program. I mean, it was the best in the country that's a homeschool program. Gemacy just partnered, and now we produce the first homeschool program for children through grades one through eight that have some kind of learning difference. Now, um, you know, if you're working with someone at homeschool that needs that, that curriculum is available to you through Calvert. Thinking about parents who may not be able to afford. That's why this dyslexia tutoring program, but also don't forget a lot of these independent schools and parents don't know, and I'll speak for Gemacy because you know, have a lot of scholarship money. Mm -hmm. And don't be afraid to go to them or through the admission process. There's also BEST that's out there that will help direct you where you need to go. So don't be afraid, 
okay? Just because you look at a price and say, oh my God, my child, I'll never afford my child to be there, I can assure you that 35% of the student population currently at Gemesee is on some form of financial aid because most parents couldn't afford our tuition. It did, no matter where they are, that's where we're going. So I just want you to know, don't be afraid to even use these schools as resources also, along with dyslexia tutoring. I, I want to know if there are comparable um, programs like dyslexia, dyslexia tutoring program in other states. Um, actually, there may be, and I'm sure that there are, but they charge. We are one of the only programs in the country or one of the organizations in the country that does what we do for free. But like I just had, um, Virginia Beach has now started one, and we've been working with them. And I just am helping now um, Atlanta, a school, uh, uh, people in Atlanta, Georgia, and in um, South Carolina that came, uh, got us on their website. There are other programs, I believe, that are available, but they're not, they're not free. And um, that's why we think that what we do, uh, Bud and I have often talked in Buzzy, there should be a dyslexia tutoring program in every city in the country. because There should be. There should be. Uh, good morning. Uh, normally, I'm in the capacity of reporter, but today I'm going to be, for this purpose, teacher, because I taught in the uh, uh, Harlem Park community last semester. Uh, I actually came in as a nonprofit grant uh, as a journalist, and I had a partner who was a videographer, and we were to teach journalism and uh, video to high school students in Harlem Park. Uh, and what we discovered, I mean, aside from the fact that our administrators uh, gave us students that were absolutely not interested in journalism, uh, what, what, what I found astounded me. One, when I came in there, uh, two weeks or three weeks into teaching for that semester, I received the IEP forms, the IEP evaluations. It turned out half my class were IEPs, and I had no familiarity with these IEPs. And from what I understand, when you have students who are IEP, that there's supposed to be an instructor that's supposed to be with you in the classroom to help with IEP students. says in the degree of services, the IEP is supposed to specify the services you get, for example, you could get services only by the general education teacher who pays a little more attention to you than other students without any, spe like a special educator. And other IE most IEPs do provide that a special educator will spend some amount of time with the student, either working with the student and other students in the classroom or outside the classroom. So IEPs are are very, uh, very different, and they, and they um, differ greatly in terms of the intensity. Well, I, I tell you what needed to happen that was not happening, because I had one IEP specialist that came in to my classroom one time for the semester, talked with one of my students for five minutes, and left. And a lot of my students got neglected. And I'm telling you, this led to a lot of problems, aside from the fact that they come into the classroom hungry, aside from the class, you know, they come with an array of their other issues that I had to try to do, and not, only, and not only this, 
I had other teachers, and this is what the, my students were telling me. Well, my English teacher uh, never had uh, me to rewrite any of my work. My, teacher, my English teacher uh, always passed me. So what are you doing trying to get me to rewrite assignments? You, know, you, you, you see what I'm saying? So there's a lot, there's a lot that, that needs to happen in the schools that are not happening. And I know that those are, uh, are very happy with the current administration. But I'm telling you somebody who was in the trenches dealing with these issues, there's, there's a lot more that's, that needs to go on that is not going on. And uh, two components of this. One, culturally speaking, these students are not learning about their culture. And when you don't learn about your culture, you don't have a sense of self. And that leads to a lot of depression, aside from the fact of the, their home environments. And that's why you have a lot of students wilding out, as they say. <laughs> and also the fact that there's lack of reading comprehension. I mean, you can read some things, but if you don't comprehend what you're reading, and of course that also has to do with those of us who are writing. Many of us aren't writing as well as we need to to communicate through these textbooks. But there's a lot of these kinds of things, and, and I guess uh, if I can get your feedback on, on, on some of these things. I mean, first, um, as far as I'm concerned, the system is a disgrace, okay? And if you want to read about it, I wrote another report called The Road to Nowhere, The Illusion and Broken Promises of Special Education in the Baltimore City and Other Public School Systems. Uh, my working title was Sham and Shame, but I got just it's terrible, okay? And when I referred to Dr. Alonzo wanting to do something about it, that hasn't been done yet, but it's going to take time, and I believe he is committed to it in a way that no one else around the country is, as far as I know, and I've talked to people all over the country. And um, let me, you know, so the question is, well, well, what are we going to do about it, and how do you get at it? You know, obviously, like my colleagues here, I could spend four hours. But the first thing is response to intervention, which means that a student in the pre-kindergarten, there are tests of students, developmentally appropriate tests, and we run a demonstration project in the city that goes from pre-K to one that is a unique project in the country where you can, be, you can spot some children who have problems that are associated with dyslexia, the phonological. And so you must begin to intervene immediately. Now, on paper, there has been on paper in the state of Maryland, elsewhere across the country, programs, the Maryland Early Intervention Program. And now everybody follows the buzzwords of response to intervention and their student support teams and acronyms all over the place. But what it basically means is that when a student is not meeting developmentally appropriate benchmarks, you stop and you get the kid the help that that kid needs with or without an IEP. And so usually you have what is known as three tiers. The first tier of response to intervention is basically in the classroom and you hope you have a good core curriculum and the teacher tries to help. The second tier, if that doesn't work, you give the kid some extra help. 
The third tier is you give the kid even more help, usually one-on-one or one-to-two. And then, if you've done that, only then do you go to what I call tier four, which is special education and an IEP. But the system doesn't work. It doesn't work because the teachers don't know how to make it work, and it doesn't work because, in fairness, it costs lots of money. It costs lots of money. Nobody's doing it around the country. Trust me. But, you know, there's an irony here that if you've got a classified disability, whether it's dyslexia, learning disability, ADHD, um, 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 speech and language, the law says there's a federal special education law called IDEA, Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, that says that you've got one of these disabilities, you are legally entitled to services that enable you to succeed in school. I mean, that's complicated too, but I can come back to that. If you don't have a disability, you're not entitled to that. So I can go, so I'm trying to use the lever the hammer of IDEA to sensitize the problem, to sensitize the school system, to understand, and an IEP is simply tier four of RTI. What does this child need? Unfortunately, by the time you get to tier four, there's a big gap. And what we're working on in the school system, I've taken enough time for this turn at bat. If I get another turn at bat, I'll talk to you about one year plus and how Dr. Alonzo is thinking about changing this in a way that will set a completely uh, national precedent. I know. Thank you. Claire, you had a question. I I really don't have a question. Um, and um, I'm very impressed that you were able to get an IEP in the first grade because recognition, not just getting an IEP, but, but teachers, whether they're in public or in private schools, don't know what they're seeing. They just don't know what they're seeing. And our son, um, fortunately, was able to go to a private school, but the, they had no idea that he that he was dyslexic and they kept, you know, pushing him and shoving him to the point where, you know, we had to go finally and they, they couldn't teach him and they thrown him out. And we finally were able to get him tested, but but I just want I just want to say it isn't just the public schools, the ignorance in the educational system in this country, whether it's public or private, is is um, there's a big gap. A very large gap. And then I'm going to say something on the positive side, and that is that this state probably has some of the most school for dyslexic kids in the country. Um, I know um, 1993, the Genesee School was probably one of the only schools in the state for dyslexic children. They had a waiting list of nearly 400. And the families on that waiting list were in tears just a complete, utter wreck. And the headmaster of the Genesis School at that time said to these people, you have one choice, and that's to start your own school. And there were five families who started the Odyssey School, where my son finally went to. But now there's one in Parker County, there's the Highlands 
Summit, summit, friendship. Lab school is not. Which started in Washington and came up here. But there are people from all over the country who come to Maryland because we have the most resources for dyslexic kids. And all of those schools, including Ben's, teach people how to teach kids. And a lot of that is what. And she I, does, and um, you just go ahead. No, Claire, but I think you hit on the point, and I, I want to piggyback on something Buzzy said, and it's something I've always felt. You know, you look at our higher education of kids, students going through higher education to become teachers in elementary school. I know when I, they are given one reading methodology course for one semester and told they're certified now to go into the public school and teach reading. So let's not... I don't want to blame the teacher. It's not because we have very dedicated teachers, in my experience, in Baltimore City that go way beyond the extra mile. They just don't have the tools. And I believe that any global change that's going to happen in this country is not only going to happen in what Buzzy's talking about with Dr. Alonzo and OnePlus, which I think would be a good thing to share, Buzzy, but I also think it needs to change at higher level. And I think what frustrated me, I was in public ed. I was in charge of all 49 programs in LA Unified School District of the, upper, uh, of the high school programs. I left because I couldn't support what was going on anymore. I mean, I could no longer defend something that was just not defensible. And, and the bottom line is that we need to change teacher training. Just like doctors don't learn to be doctors in just four years of medical school, they've got to practice, they need to be watched, they need to be trained, they need to be mentored we should be putting this kind of background into teacher training. Because the truth is, when we really do train teachers, whether it's dyslexia, dyslexia tutoring, whether it's Gemacy, whether it's Odyssey, and they go out, you wouldn't be able to hear the response from the teachers of, gee, I wish I this is so great, I went back to, and it's not just them coming, we need to go into the schools and model and keep teaching, because you know what, none of you would go to a doctor that the last thing he learned was when he left medical school. You would want to go to a doctor that was up to date in any medical thing that was going on in your life. That's how it should be for education. Absolutely. That's right. Absolutely. Very good. Any? Uh, I'm sorry. How about the one plus? Oh, go ahead. So, and you want to be quick because we only have till 12, and I know Buzzy wants to talk about one plus. Okay. All right. Well, what I just wanted to kind of introduce is, of course, once the person drops out of school, they enter one of our many adult literacy programs to which we are dealing with multiple learning disabilities, including dyslexia. And we, I think as a field, would, would say that all of our teachers need training in how to deal with this. We, we, we all try very hard, and everybody gets certain types of training, but maybe the collaborations and partnerships, we need to kind of look at that a little, a little more about how we can work together because they, these adults need support not, at not, this level too. And also the latest research. I mean, we're ignoring research coming out that neuro, now that neuroscientists and educators are talking, we're throwing out a lot of what they're saying that's very vital about how to teach reading, about development. And I'll just share a fair one before I turn it over to Buzzy. I, you know, I was in a conference about learning in the brain. What we know about teenagers is they can't get up in the morning. That's physiological. I mean, upper school should not begin for, for a high school child till 11 o'clock in the morning. And the reason we don't change it, the reason we don't change it, because it, it is because of the sports. Sports program. How are we going to do sports if the kids are in school from 11? We're still in agrarian society. So I'm saying, 
you know, there's great research coming out, but if we don't apply it and use it, we're not going to move forward. But didn't mean to take it to the One little footstep. No. What is the percentage of the population that's estimated to have learning? 15 to 20 percent is the latest statistic. 50, yeah. There are 30 million Americans that are illiterate. Tom Brokaw did a program. There are 30 million Americans that are illiterate. Out of that, 8.5 million have a learning disability of some kind, and the most prevalent one is dyslexia. So that's one in every five people. Marcy, can we find out who we're talking to? Because we're going to do this again. Not, I mean, I'll, I'll do it. Here to go. But I just want to know, I mean, if we're going to do this together, it's probably some resources in here that we might want Well. <laughs> I'm the chair with the DTP. Oh, you are? And, uh, five years. Um, my son graduated from Valley after he went to quit school in ninth grade because it was such a struggle for him. Graduated successfully from Valley and went to college. Great. I guess was going to say, like, just raise your hand if that's just like. Yeah, yeah. if you have. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're a tutor. Yes. I'll tell you where we're from. My colleague, Marianne, and I are from uh, the Maryland Institute College of Art. And personally, and I'm sure oh it's Marianne as well, it's very interesting listening to everyone speak about lower levels because we're on a, a higher level of education. And we get so many students who I feel have kind of slipped through the cracks in their high school because mm -hmm. they're artists. Mm -hmm. and, and they don't write papers. Mm -hmm. And they don't give up, you know, stand up and give speeches. So. Mm -hmm. Robert Rauschenberg was dyslexic, yeah, one of the famous, right, absolutely. So we're, we're trying to catch them in our library. Well, that's great. Well, mm -hmm. absolutely. Uh, we're, we're delighted that all of you are here, and I know Buzzy wants to tell the one-on-one, -on -one, uh, <laughs> one I don't mean one-plus. Well, to be, um, to be eligible for an IEP under the special education law, you have to be assessed, evaluated, and someone's got to make a determination. There is an educational assessment that uh, looks at where you're actually performing compared to your age. And then there is usually a cognitive in which one looks at your intellectual ability. And then depending if there are signs of ADHD, there are other tests to deal with emotional this and that. And presumably, based on those assessments, uh, a determination is made as a practical matter. The area of qualifying for LD, learning disability, is usually less based on any real diagnosis of chronological processing or processing issues, but on the fact that you failed twice. It's called the wait to fail syndrome. And, hmm. and um, if a student has failed, now, they're not allowed to fail the children twice anymore, um, at least in Baltimore City. Double retention is not allowed anymore. So usually, you know, again, dyslexia has many shades, but as a practical matter, um, you know, special education has historically been the dumping grounds for children who can't succeed right. mm -hmm. in the regular classroom. And again, to come back, they can't succeed in the regular classroom because they're not given the instruction that they need. So... The, the one year plus thing, and again, this is a little technical, pertains to an IEP. 
for children who get into special education. The IEP is supposed to enable the student to make progress. How much progress does that mean? For example, if a child gets what most children get in the Baltimore City Public Schools, they'd make three, four months progress a year. If, you know, if they could afford to go to Genesee, they'd make a year or two years progress, let's say. So the amount of progress depends upon the services. But the Baltimore City Public School System, as far as I know, every other school system in the country, believe it or not, has defined progress as, quote, some progress. And what does some progress mean to the Baltimore City Public School System and the Baltimore County Public School System and the Howard County? Any progress, however small. And so when a student makes two, three, four months progress, they mark the student as making progress and they socially promote the student to the next grade. Right, Mom? Okay. Yes. What Dr. Alonzo, what I wrote about in one of these reports, and what Dr. Alonzo is about to issue a directive on, says that students with IEPs who are cognitively able, that is on a diploma track, they're not severely, have intellectual severe problems or so forth, are entitled to progress that amounts to 12 months progress, plus a reasonable reduction between the child's present level of performance and their age. Now let's say Johnny is in the seventh grade and reading at a second grade level. The school system is supposed to provide services that can reasonably be calculated to mean that Johnny will say next year make two years progress. That is revolutionary. It shouldn't be so. You think, well, that makes sense. It shouldn't be so. It's revolutionary. It's going to be. It's going to be like warfare in Afghanistan to get Seriously. it through the city school system. Seriously. But Dr. Alonzo Jeez. is committed, I believe, and that we're going to move to do it. The biggest impediments, or as I alluded to. I mean, when I do this in my individual cases, as Mr. Archie knows so well, they say, well, that's not practical. <laughs> you, how are you going to get this kid two years progress? Well, they only know what they know, which ain't enough. Which is, if you give that child more intensive instruction by a better trained teacher, the student can make more progress. So it's going to be... Uh, and then there also is money, because it's going to take more instructional time to catch these kids up. So it's going to be a long uh, battle, but at least um, the commitment is there and we'll, and we'll see what happens. You keep mentioning money, but then I remember what the lady on stage said, I never think, but if we don't pay, we are already, we are already doing that. We are all. I just want to say something about that. When I was in school, they just passed me along. And I graduated with my contemporaries, and I, like I said, I, I couldn't read. So I got a diploma, I walked across the stage, but I was in a lot of activities. 
it just passed you along. Mm-hmm. And you show up, they pass you along. So and that's quiet. And, and I wasn't a I wasn't a bad kid or anything like that. So I wasn't a problem. So you know that's that's kind of what you get. Um, so this is very very important uh, stuff that uh, these gentlemen are doing, and I, I really appreciate um, dyslexia tutoring and what they've done. Mm-hmm. Nobody came on parents' things. The parents were intimidated by the parents schools. don't care. They don't were care. afraid of the schools. They didn't know how to advocate for their kids at all. And in a system which this lady went through, and I went through myself, where she's a head start as an educator, it took me a year to get a 504 plan for my son and then to oh, God. make a school input. To the point where I had to. Uh, Called the uh, Walmart school system, and I was threatening to sue. Mm-hmm. Then it all became, mm-hmm. you know, and that's pathetic. That is pathetic. So oh, we yeah. our city population, and parents that are, you know, aren't educated like the population I teach. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're um, working on their education themselves, mm-hmm. and we need to teach them how to advocate for their right. children. Right, I, you have to. Because if you don't advocate for your children, nobody else is going to no. do it for you. And they make, there's so many blocks. Uh, what did you want to say? say. <laughs> I, I, want to, we have to say. I was Go in ahead. school every other day. Okay, I'll go first. Go ahead. Talking to the teachers. It was, it was almost like I had to a bulldozer. And then you become Aren't an unreasonable parent. parent. Right. I don't mean to say that, but, but then, you know, here she comes again. I mean, I couldn't. Well. I think that, you know, if there are any, uh, if you have any more questions, I'm sure that Ben and Buzzy would be happy to answer them with you for a few minutes. Um, I, I want everybody to feel good. Um, so I have one last story that we had a youngster who was tutored by us for about eight years and by the same tutor, and we got him a position at the Marriott Waterfront Hotel, and, um, and he started as a dishwasher, and he moved up, and he became an employee of the month, and it was still being tutored. He's now in their management training program. So, you know, for everybody that's out there, we all can go through things. Um, I really would like to thank, you know, our staff, too, because, you know, all, all these people back here really do a lot for a lot of kids here. Buzzy, again, I can't thank you enough for what you do. Ben, you have always been such a big help, you know, to us and for dyslexia and for the schools and the kids. Christian, oh, I call him Christian, that's his son's name, <laughs> Ulysses, you know, you got to keep on fighting and really talk to other parents, whatever, we'll have you because they learn through you. And for all of you, you know, keep on fighting, keep on asking those tough questions, whatever, and we thank you because we are making, even though it may be just a drop in the bucket, we are. We yes. thank you all for coming.